Welcome to Power Past the Competition, the podcast where John Latka, a retail automotive expert with an undeniable track record in sales leadership, employee development, and performance management, shares ways and means to help you get energized and rev up sales. And now, here's your host, John Latka. Welcome back, everyone. I'm John Latka, and this is Power Past the Competition, our podcast for February 2023. The title of this month's episode is, Are You Primed for Subprime? Now, in order to help our listeners better understand subprime financing, I'm happy to welcome to our show Kim McPherson, an expert in the field of subprime. Welcome, Kim. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, listen, it's a pleasure. Now, before we get into the questions that I have for you, Mm -hmm. how was your winter vacation? Oh, it was lovely. I just got back last night, spent the week on a beach in Cuba with my family. It was wonderful. Really good. Much needed. Now, the people out there can't see my face, but it is turning green with envy. (laughs) You know that. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't eat much. But other than that, that's my only complaint. All right. In terms of questions, let's start with this. When and why did you get into the subprime finance business? Uh, I'm going to age myself uh, by answering this question, but it was way back in 2001 Um, I started in the car business in 96, had been selling cars and, uh, was working at a Dodge dealership in uh, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Probably at the time I might've lost a deal or two a month due to my customers not being able to get approved for their loans. Um, and there was one particular incident that kind of just really ended it for me. I was either going to figure out how to fix the problem, not on a large scale, just for myself, because I really love the industry, mm-hmm. or I was going to get out because the incident had left me feeling really, really badly. What had happened was um, I had worked with a gentleman. He owned a restaurant in um, in our community, and uh, he came like every other customer. He was looking for a Dodge Caravan for his growing family. And uh, I sold him um, exactly that. It was a 2021 Dodge Caravan. It was, the, it was August. Uh, he arrived for his delivery on the Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning. I had the vehicle already out front and uh, ready for, to do my walk-around presentation and uh, transfer over all of his and his family's items from their old vehicle. And we did that whole process. And him and his family are sitting there and just going over the features and waiting for the finance manager. And the finance manager isn't paging me. And so I'm going back and forth to the finance office saying, what's the holdup here? The delivery was scheduled at 10. It's 11. It's 12. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, my God. And I get a page to the finance office shortly after that, where the finance manager proceeds to tell me that my customer was not approved for the loan to tell them to go home and that I probably should help them transfer their stuff back over to their old van. Wow. So that was probably the pivotal moment that got me thinking that, first of all, this customer existed and needed our help. And what was the industry doing about it? And 
was it a simple change of process that needed to happen or um but that's really where the where the wheels started turning for me and you know I like people that's why I was in the business and doing yeah. this to somebody just felt awful now there's all the other parts of that which I'm aware of now which were no I didn't get paid for that sale <laughs> Um, I wasted, you know, half a Saturday and countless days prior to that. Um, but really what got me was just the shitty feeling. So that's where we started uh, and just kind of started thinking about how things could change okay. moving forward. All right. What percentage of finance deals do you think are subprime? And do you see that number increasing in the future? Yeah, uh, there's no question it's increasing unless anybody can show me new stats post COVID-19 that, you know, people in this country, their credit has gotten better. So I pause in that and let just people think about that for a second. But if if I go back to uh, dealer track stats from like two, 2016, because now the lenders are coming out with different stats and, uh, you know, everybody's got a different stat. What, what does credit look like? If I just look at 2016, uh, was a VP of ops, I think, for dealer track, and they said that uh, 40% of all of the finance that they had produced uh, was to non-prime lenders at that time. So if we take 40% and we even back that up to, let's even say 30%, mm. that, that to me means that on average in you know in dealerships across this country if 10 people call click or walk into a dealership four of them are likely going to have less than perfect credit which means they don't qualify for your advertised rates payments incentives and if they don't qualify for those then you've brought them into the dealership promising them uh you know the shiny object which is the vehicle at a payment that they can't get to and the whole process is, it's irritating, it's frustrating. I mean, customers have been telling us that in the business forever. Um, layer on uh, embarrassment um, and uh, just the process not being, the traditional process not being in favor of a customer that has less than perfect credit, um, you know, that, that can be very upsetting to customers, yeah, let alone not, not time to, wasted. Not to mention frustrating. Oh, right. Oh. Oh, just now, uh, and a waste of time, money, deals. I yeah. mean, even if people are just thinking about the money aspect, it's like, wow. Yeah. So to answer your question directly, I look at it and I say, okay, even if we roll with 40%, which is an old stat, um, we still have so many customers that we need to help and really just rethink about how we retail vehicles in this country. Yeah, for sure. And probably North America for that matter. Mm-hmm. We understand that there are a lot of people that are coming in that that don't necessarily qualify for some of those advertised percentages. How do we make it easier or how do we attract a subprime prospect and, and still make them feel good uh, about their situation? Mm. So there's a lot of marketing experience I have at arm's length, I would say. We work with a lot of really great companies. What I'm learning more and more from being very close to our Buy It Smart customers, uh, where we're advertising to a less than perfect credit customer, is that uh, this customer is interested in doing business with a person that they like, that they trust, that they can build a relationship with. 
someone who's going to give them a plan and a strategy to be able to take control of the process for themselves. I like to say be the hero of their own story. Um, I think that dealers get trapped sometimes into, you know, look at me, I'm in business for 35 years and, uh, you know, you should trust us because dad founded this dealership way back in whatever. Um, and I, you know, no offense to anyone, uh, but nobody cares about that. They really don't. Especially today when you take a look at social media and what people respond to, they respond to getting to know somebody um, at first at arm's length, you know, what, what are your hobbies? What, what do you enjoy? Um, and if somebody on social is getting to know you and then, and then figures out, oh, you help People also, you know, get into um, vehicles and you might be able to help myself or my friend or a family member if they have got bad credit. Okay, I'm going to keep watching a little bit more of this person. So um, I found that to be able to attract somebody in the dealership is really about just being honest about the problem, communicating that in an honest, effective, authentic way, people will come, especially on social, like what a great tool. I, I think way back to the old days, we'd get out the phone book and they'd be like, make your cold calls. <laughs> okay, that's fun. And then the other thing is, is that that's one of the number one questions dealers are always asking me, how do I attract more non-prime customers to the dealership? And I'm like, they're there. Remember that 40% um, likely, or even, even if you... Like I say, dial it all the way back to 25 if you want to. But every time 10 people call, click, or walk into your dealership, you've got between two and four of them that have less than perfect credit, if I'm being really conservative. So they're there. They exist already. It's a matter of having the right process in play that can help identify them in a professional way that doesn't make someone feel like crap. And really, that's about training sales and sales managers. It, it that part has nothing to do with finance. No, I understand. And, you know, talking about process, do you think that the sales process is different for subprime prospects? And, and if so, how does it differ? Yeah, it's the secret sauce. I've been saying this for 20 years. The secret sauce to solving the non-prime problem is to um, be able to qualify and identify a less than perfect credit customer either by way of marketing or by way of when the customer calls, clicks, or walks into the dealership, that the first person communicating with that person has the ability to qualify and identify or what I say, have a client interview. You know, take mm -hmm. a seat, have a conversation, find out what the customer's total needs are. Listen, 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 listen. Uh, you know, they're going to tell you exactly how to sell them a vehicle. And for most people, if you're listening beyond what type of vehicle is it that they're interested in, there's usually budget concerns. There's uh, four out of 10 times going to be a credit concern. Sometimes it comes up in, in the form of if I'm observing in a franchise store some, on the first couple of days, I'll just watch the transactions on the sales floor, listen to some calls. And the customers are very open about saying they need help in the area of uh, credit, uh, finance. They usually say something like, what's the payment on and point at a vehicle? And I think it's just educating salespeople enough in finance to know that you can't quote a payment unless you know what the interest rate is. And interest rates don't go with dealerships. They go with people and their credit. So if you're just honest and authentic in the answer to the customer, 
oftentimes you can turn the conversation around to, well, I, that's no problem. I can get you a, a payment quote right away. Is that the exact vehicle? And there's a couple of other questions to identify, is this the vehicle we should be doing the payment on? But at the end of the day, do you know what interest rate you qualify for? And it's a law ball. Most people will say no. Now, a prime customer is going to be potentially offended by it, which I've never had a prime customer offended by that, by the way. But this is the objection I always get. Oh, we can't upset our prime customers. Heaven forbid. No, can't upset them. But if somebody was, you know, perfect credit, they don't they respond to that by saying something to the effect of whatever the best rate is. That's what I qualify for. Yeah. Like, get me the payment. <laughs> right. And so it's OK. I'm willing to take that, you know, uh, someone who might be a little bit agitated because they don't realize that not everyone is as fortunate as they are <laughs> versus the alternative, which is offending every other person that I that I speak to. Yeah, I really think that if you pose a question properly, the chances of offending someone are extremely remote. So I agree with you there. Now, Kim, the other question I have is, on average, how long does it take for a subprime approval versus a prime approval? Mm, I love that question. And uh, here's a plug out to the one-hour approval guy, <laughs> Dave Myers. Love him. But uh, I worked with Dave uh, about two years ago, I think. That was one of the conversations we were having. Well, how long does it really take? Well, if if you educate the customer up front as to what's required and what the process is, it should really take, it takes under an hour. It doesn't take any longer to get a non-prime approval than it does a prime approval. That's a misconception that I believe finance managers that don't understand how to do the job tote to their sales managers who are asking, what's going on with this deal? What's going on with this deal? So, uh, you know, a couple of quick tips um, as far as that goes uh, with our staff when we're um, helping our dealer partners with their leads, uh, the, the secret piece, the equation is the client interview. And in that client interview, we're collecting, um, you know, decision makers, we're collecting driver's license, we're collecting proof of income, we're collecting the credit information, we're finding out, does the customer have a, a desired budget we need to be respectful of? Do they have a trade-in? Do they owe money? Is, are we dealing with a negative equity situation? So as long as we have all the information up front in that first call, and have a scheduled follow-up appointment booked before we hang up the phone or the interaction in person with the customer. And, and the customer should likely wait because we, we're going to be able to get them some answers if they're in the dealership. Then typically we can get, you know, what's called a pre-approval, you know, sometimes instantaneously. They do do that in non-prime. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, auto hook. When that happens, sometimes I like to you know, make sure I'm reviewing the credit correctly and send it prime if, if we miss that. Um, and uh, and then from there, it's the, the process that takes the longest, which now there's great technology for. I'll give a plug to Aether. But uh, once you've got the pre-approval, it's a matter of just sifting through your inventory and finding out what vehicles actually will be approved for the customer. And if you're really smart, you're matching them with the budget that they want to be at or 
you know, there's some juggling usually that has to go. Here's your budget vehicles that you'll be approved for. And here's the vehicles that you want. And the bank will give you the money for them. Which direction are we going, Mr. Customer? That shouldn't take any longer than an hour. And with our staff, I have a three-day policy from contact to close. If you don't have a vehicle in the customer's driveway in under three days in this market, you're probably going to lose them. You're going to lose them to somebody like me who's going to come in and take that lead and be awesome. (laughs) I love it. So what I'm hearing is something that I believe in very strongly is, you know, anytime we're talking finance with individuals, we need to pay attention to detail. We need to get all the information so that the people that are making the decision don't have to constantly come back to us asking for more information. Yes. Right? Okay. So important. Now, listen, a few more questions. (laughs) Hang on to your seats, folks. We got more. (laughs) What are some of the critical skills or, or behaviors that a subprime financial services manager needs to have? Okay, are you ready for this? Because I might bust up some egos. Okay, be careful. (laughs) You know, we deal with a lot of people out there, you and I. (laughs) You can always count on me for truth and honesty. Whenever I'm recruiting for a dealer, I recruit them from their own sales floor. And they fight me on it almost every single time. But a a very talented non-prime finance manager understands how to sell. They understand the relationship building process. That is the secret sauce. If I don't trust you and like you, I'm not doing business with you. And with and in finance in particular, the customer wants to know that they have that. I oftentimes say to my staff, if you've never experienced this yet, you need to work harder at your relationships. But at the end of the transaction, when the customer turns to you and says, what do you think, Kim? Like, is this a good deal for me? You know, and you're the one selling the product, then that's when... In my opinion, you really have done the job. And I think that sometimes I hesitate to to highlight that so much because it can be abused. Mm. And I'm not about the business of that at all. I'm not about the business of waking up and not getting paid. I don't believe profit is a bad word. It's all good. But I do believe that it needs to be fair, equitable, and a non-prime customer should never have to pay more than a prime customer. Uh, So some of the shenanigans of the past, I think we need to look out for. But um, for the most part, your strongest non-prime managers have great sales skills. They know how to contact a customer. They know how to follow up. They know how to book appointments. In this day and age, with the amount of numbers of leads um, that dealers are dealing with, it's so important that you can get in touch with the customer, build that relationship, do what I refer to as a client interview and build a credit folder, gather all of the important information on the first call, gather all the important information on the first call. You know, I see client interviews coming back to my desk, even with most the most experienced people. And they're like, I don't know what's going on with me this month. I'm not. Uh. And I'm like, okay, well, let's take a look at your deals. Well, your client interviews, you're rushing, you know, every single time you rush that client interview, um, that's where you're dropping the ball. That's where the deal is closed. And that's a sales skill. Finance 
And this is where I mean by busting us amigos. Anybody can learn finance. You really can, especially with the technology today. Don't be intimidated about getting into the finance office because you don't know what it's all about. That's the easy piece. The difficult piece is teaching somebody to contact, follow up, follow through, contact, follow up, follow through. And uh, social media helps. If you don't mind a phone in your face and you can talk about yourself and share that, then in today's world, that's what dealerships need. They need somebody who's not afraid to advertise themselves, be a, a bit of an influencer, charismatic, relationship builder. That's a non-prime finance manager today. And as you point out, you know, many salespeople out there, good ones, would make some great financial services managers. Oh, listen, this is the number one. This is how I get everybody to pay attention in the first day of training at the at the franchise dealership is because, uh, you know, I'll, I'll open up the conversation with the sales and sales managers and say, we're looking for somebody to give a promotion to that's going to work with me in the non-prime office. The next couple of days will indicate who it is that I'm going to be working with for the next six months to get them, you know, that position. Everybody wants into the finance office. Every, oh, Mike. I mean, that's the, that's the reason why I went and started my own business. I couldn't get in the finance office, you know, selling too many cars. They wouldn't give me the, give me the shot. So, so non-prime is a great way today in today's market. So many dealers are looking for it and salespeople aren't paying attention to the non-prime cues that are out there. They're like, oh, that's not my customer. And I don't know. And that's okay. I usually just move those people over to the side, but there's a couple of really bright ones usually um, that stand out in the training rooms and they can see and feel in their month to month transactions, you know, yeah, they're right. I, I sold 15 cars last month and I lost five of them. I mean, that's real, that's real thing. Yep, and instead of changing is. the way that we sell vehicles, a lot of dealers are changing pay schedules so that, you know, I mean, I could go on and on for days, but your non-prime managers are in your sales floor. They just need the training. I hear you. No, and I agree with you. Now, listen, on another note, customer retention is getting more attention these days. Do you think that subprime customers are more loyal than prime customers? Yes, a thousand percent. Um, I can only speak from my experience, a thousand percent. And I believe it is because of the relationship piece. Not only do we have a repeat customer that if you set up the process correctly with the customer the first time and educate them on credit rebuilding for real, not BS, but credit rebuilding for real, which usually has a lot of conversations, hard conversations with the customer around reviewing their credit, reviewing their budget, having the conversation about what they want versus what they actually truly can afford. Um, and having those conversations in a respectful way is an art. It really is an art. But if you do it correctly and you build that relationship with the customer, they will trust you. I call them customers for life. They will trust you for life as long as they can find you and you're not shifting around too much. That's one of the selling features for becoming a non-prime finance manager today. If you can take a customer from contact to close and delivery and even, even more than that, uh, become efficient at delivering vehicles to people's homes, you really have... Uh, I, I call it with my staff, they run their own business inside of mine. It's quite lovely to see. And I'm very well aware that they can take their customers and go. That's why it's incumbent on me as their, as, you know, their fierce leader. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as, as their boss, 
it's incumbent on me to make sure that we pay right, we pay fair, the time is right, we provide the right resources. So it's a great balance. Hmm. You know, it's a great balance in that way. But I've been saying that to 20 group meetings, it's got to be 10 or 15 years now and just different presentations that I have never seen. What, what do you want to call them? A comeback program or or whatever. There's there's nothing in the history of the car business that I've ever seen so uh, effective at bringing a customer back in under two years than the non-prime program, if you do it right. You can't be unethical if you sell vehicles within their given retail value and you explain how negative equity works. The numbers do pan out. You can trade somebody out starting at 30% and bring them. Now, it used to be a six-year plan. Now you can get it done in like a couple of years because the banks are so eager to be in non-prime and they're they're given much better approvals as long as the customer is doing their part, paying their making their payments on time all exactly. the time. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And you can't do that with a $500 credit card. I don't care who's giving that advice out. You know, to get a car these days, you're going to be at least in the $15,000 uh, range at least. I mean, I can't even think of one you can, you can have uh, with the, with the taxes and you know your warranty. But let's say fifteen thousand dollars. That's a big chunk of money that you're putting, you know, over and above the the bad credit you've had in the past to show. Okay, but I've made these you know equal payments on time all the time. Uh, I'm working towards establishing my credit and hey, the banks will reward. They want that business. And when you go back to pay out the SDA or the the, the TD loan and, uh, you know, another lender, they're happy to pick up that customer and, and give them a lower rate and refinance, not refinance the same car, but sell them another car, which is an advantage to the dealer. It's an advantage to everybody concerned, right? Everybody. I call it a three win. It wins if you're selling the vehicle. It wins if you're the customer. It wins if you're the bank. Everybody's winning. Everybody's winning. I agree. And, you know, to your point about unethical, uh, I got to share this story with you. Mm. I was doing a sales event for a dealer a number of years ago, and the finance manager who helped someone in subprime came to me bragging about the fact that he just did a pick and shovel deal. And I asked him, what's a pick and shovel deal? What's a pick and shovel? Well, what he said was, I buried them so deep, uh, I threw in the pick and shovel because they're never getting out. Uh, so that's the sort of thing that's mm-hmm. been unethical in the past, mm. probably still exists to some degree, mm-hmm. but we need to move away from because whether the person is subprime or prime, mm-hmm. and especially subprime, we have an opportunity, as you pointed out, to be able to trade them within a two-year span to get mm-hmm. them into another vehicle. And if we do things right, we could end up with a customer for life mm-hmm. because we help them through the dark times. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no question. There's nothing. I mean, I could tell story after story after story, but there's nothing more rewarding than giving someone the tools to actually make a difference in their life and and educating people on credit because we don't get it in school. Uh, no, we don't. And a lot of people, you know, it's not, you know, and this is a common thing that now is said in advertising, which kind of irritates me, but, you know, no fault of your own. Uh, bad things happen to good people. Yes, yes. But for real, that is actually the case. You know, I could 
I could cite for you just last week the amount of people that, you know, during COVID lost friends and family, uh, you know, took care of people, lost their jobs, uh, you know, for real through no fault of their own are in a situation that's that's just crap and their credit is slipped and they're trying to recuperate, but there's lack of education out there as to how. And so sitting down and giving somebody the tools to, again, be the hero of their own story is, oh, man, like I sleep so good at night. It's it's awesome. I love it. And it does make you feel good, like I say, when you've helped someone through the dark times. Mm -hmm. And there's a need for that. And if we do it professionally, Mm -hmm. obviously, we're going to be able to gain more business. Do you think there are more opportunities for referrals from a subprime customer versus a prime Mm -hmm. customer? Yeah, for sure. We've got a referral program where um, if our current customers refer someone, we'll make their car payment. And it is like some people show up every month. God love them. And, uh, you know, with a, a new customer, a new customer, but they're thrilled. And, uh, you know, not for a plug, but our Google reviews say the whole story. The customers go on there, you know, they say authentically what their experience has been with us at Buy It Smart. I'm I'm sure there's several uh, clients of mine that are seeing the same type of thing. A less than perfect credit customer is is so grateful that you've helped them navigate, really. And I, I think that's the biggest piece when it comes to repeat and referral is that the customer is able to tell their story to their customer. And the way that we uh, help our customers in in non-prime, if you've got less than perfect credit is, you know, I use the the story of, is it Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. My brothers are going to hate me for this one. But, uh, you know, I'm Yoda and my customers are Luke Skywalker. And, you know, then you have the dealers in the banks and they're the they're the evil villains. <laughs> <laughs> They're from the dark side. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I love you, my dealers. Um, but from the customer's point of view, if you look at it from the customer's point of view, that's what they're trying to navigate through. They're trying to figure out, how do I look after me and my family? How do I make sure I get a vehicle and don't make any stupid decisions that are going to impact um, our monthly budget and our future moving forward? And how do I make those decisions knowing that I have less than perfect credit? And who can I trust? When the experience goes really good, customers have no problem um, recommending their friends and family. They want to do that. They feel like then now they're Yoda, you know, and that's awesome. No, no, for sure. They're they're very appreciative, and and uh, and I appreciate that answer because I've I've always believed that that is the case. Now, uh, the last question that I have for you is. What are some of the things a new car franchise can do to increase their subprime business? Oh, man, they need to train their sales professionals and their sales managers. They absolutely need to get some non-prime training for their sales professionals and their sales managers, which sounds archaic because the calls I get are, can you come and train my finance managers? And... If they could get that little piece of the equation, then they're going to see where the where the hole is, where all the customers are just dropping into this hole. <laughs> you know, I can see it because I know what I'm looking for on the sales floor. I can hear it on the phone. I can see it in their emails and their texts when they're responding to their customers. 
but so many customers don't even make it past the front door, so to speak. You know, they they send that first reach out to the dealer and because it's not handled effectively, it's lost and you don't know about it. The dealer doesn't know about it. The G- the GM doesn't know about it. It's not tracked like in the old days. Who's that customer we're talking to on the lot with the blue hat? Oh, <laughs> his name was John. <laughs> John, what's his last name? Did you take Smith. out a yellow card? <laughs> He was walking through the parking lot on the way to Sobeys. Don't care. You should have got his last name. <laughs> um, but that's that's the number one thing. So it's first identifying the business that's already there, the amount of time that's already being wasted, the amount of money that's already being lost, the amount of sales that are not happening. Or it, And that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario, in my opinion, is the dealer comes in, gets all the way through the process purchases the vehicle, has been saying the whole time, I shouldn't drive this vehicle. I'm not sure if I can get approved. But because of lack of training and experience in non-prime, the pushback is, well, put him in the vehicle and then we'll try to get the vehicle approved, which is completely archaic. And then the customer goes in after negotiating at 1% or 0% or whatever the best rate of the day is today on new cars. And negotiates the deal out with the sales professional, the sales managers involved, everybody's, you know, might even take days for crying out loud. And then the customer goes into the finance office where in literally 30 seconds, the credit's pulled if they're, if they're doing that. If not, they've submitted the deal and it bounces back like automatically to say, eh, like no go here. With a big red. Big red. No, this is not happening. And so then the poor finance manager is tasked with with the job of trying to get that vehicle approved for that customer at that payment. But the term's shorter, the rate's higher, like it's not going to happen. So then it's like, well, what's wrong with you? Strip out the entire deal. You can't sell anything in the back. You make no money. Take one for the team. Oh, and by the way, you need to bump the customer $150 biweekly. Like, Oh, thanks. I can't wait to show up to work tomorrow, you know. And then the customers leave in hat in hand. If they've purchased the vehicle, they feel like shit about it. Because let's be frank, nobody's explained to them what happened. And if they have, it's like an embarrassing, confusing situation that's happening. The guy's already parked the vehicle in the driveway. The whole family knows about it. It goes back to the same situation that I had years and years ago. We're just, you know, we're just on on repeat doing the same things over and over again. So... And and the dealers are calling that a win. Oh, but we got the number. We sold the vehicle. Yeah, but you sent the customer back out into the world feeling like complete crap, paying more than he can afford. Let's be honest. So now you've created probably a less than perfect credit customer, you, you know, worse situation. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's just all bad that way. So my thing is get them pre-approved and then show them vehicles they can get approved for that also match their budget. Which just makes perfect sense. Real but estate course, had it right. Real estate's had it right for years. Yeah. Well, they're not going to show you a house unless you're pre-approved. Exactly. Right? And, of course, we don't do that uh, because we're afraid to uh, bring it up to potential customers for fear that they might be offended. Mm-hmm. But again, I think if it's communicated properly, we could be doing more pre-approvals to ensure that we're getting the person into the right vehicle at the right payment. At least listen, because most of the customers are saying, they say the words, hey, I'm not sure if I'm going to get approved for this. No problem. Let's get you with the finance manager. What we do here is we'll get 
you're pre-approved. We'll find out what vehicles you can be approved for that also match your desired budget. Does that sound like a good idea? Oh, uh, yeah, that sounds great. When did you guys start doing that at dealerships? That's the response I get every single time. Well, we just start. You know, we've been doing it for a while. Come on in. The problem is, is that what happens, even if you can get the salesperson trained up to do that, what happens is, and I've seen it a million times, that's why I have to, you know, that's why the training is ongoing, right? But the customer is sent into the finance office and then the finance manager who's not trained in non-prime or we don't have a dedicated non-prime manager sends the salesperson back out to go get them a vehicle. And it's like, oh man. A it's vicious, really simple. A vicious circle. <laughs> it's a vicious circle. Well, one of the interesting things that, that I've been saying for many, many years is that we have or we're involved in an industry that's not rocket science. Not at all. Selling vehicles is relatively simple. But why do we want to make it so complicated? Mm. And we do it day in and day out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Listen, Kim, I want to thank you for all the information that you've shared with us today. I'm sure our listeners are going to be just tickled pink and, like me, probably green with envy that you just came back from a vacation in warm climates. <laughs> now, before we go, how would those interested in connecting with you to get some of your training or some of your expertise in subprime – how can they get a hold of you? Probably the best way is the website, uh, www.sellitsmartcanada.ca. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Kimberly McPherson. You can also look at our Buy it Smart website. So we generate leads and uh, help dealers with their with their non-prime departments by providing them a dedicated non-prime manager while we're sourcing, recruiting, hiring, and training one for them. Um, so there's lots of places I pop up all over social. You see my mugshot. And not to mention, you can always get a hold of me. Folks, if you enjoyed this podcast, please download and share it. And if you have any suggestions for future podcasts, you can reach out to me through John Latka on LinkedIn, through our contact page on automotivebusinesssolutions.com, or simply call toll-free at 877 7088484 and until next time may god bless good selling and stay safe power past the competition with john latka sponsored by automotive business solutions automotive business solutions a boutique consulting agency offering workshops seminars and performance specific software to help you power past the competition find automotive business solutions online at automotivebusinesssolutions.com thanks for listening and please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts this has been a pod starter production, production.